Welcome to another episode of Over Under. I am your host, Kyle Joseph. Alongside me, our co-host for this evening, Rylan Turner. Rylan, how are you doing? I am eternally frustrated with Wi-Fi related issues, and uh, I'm I'm just mentally spent. But I'm excited to finish the AEW roster. Yeah, I, I'm. This is definitely going to be an interesting one. There's a few names on on this list that I'm already excited to talk about. But so we'll just get right into it, I guess. Uh, as this goes, this is over under the show where we talk about wrestlers and their perception within the wrestling landscape and make the determination in our expert opinions whether or not those wrestlers are can be considered over or underrated, uh, or over undervalued in the uh, as far as the wrestling landscape goes, as far as people's perception of them goes best we can tell there's a lot of uh, guesswork and gut work so you know take everything we say with a grain of salt as always uh except for this person let's start with jeff jarrett rylan what are your feelings on jeff jarrett um you're gonna disagree with me but i think jeff jarrett's right where he belongs like let's put it to you i'll put it to you this way what made their matches as jeff jarrett won since coming to aew he is there to put people over, to make them look good, and he hasn't not done that. Um, I don't know what kind of work he's doing backstage, but obviously they hired him for more than just his ability to still wrestle at his age. Um, and that's where I'll sit with that. Like, I, I don't think that Jeff Jarrett is going to be somebody that I look at and go overrated. If you would have asked me 20 years ago, Absolutely, I would have said overrated. But now I just see him as like a solid veteran hand and somebody who obviously a lot of people like to have around because this guy continues to have a job in pro wrestling years after his heyday. So, um, yeah, that's where I'll sit with Jeff Jarrett. I'm going to give him a push. When it comes to overstate, uh, elder statesmen in wrestling, I think for me, it comes down to sort of three camps. One, they're still doing the Lord's work despite uh, their advanced age. Two, they are a lot of fun. I'd say Billy Gann is very much in that camp where there's just, you know, something, there's an entertainment value that pushes above any, you know, match quality value that they might be having. Or three, we are trying to live out a heyday that just no longer is where we're at with this particular person, Jeff Jarrett, I think falls into that third category. I do believe he's a little bit overrated. Now I'm going to be clarify, clarify this. I think he's a perfectly good manager. I think that he has value as a talker. He has an ability to get heat or make people dislike him. He's a very good heel in that respect. And he's not a terrible wrestler, especially for a person his age, he's doing very well. It's just, I feel like whenever he's the one wrestling in that group, it leaves me wanting or wondering why it wouldn't be Jay Lethal. You know what I mean? Like, or, you know, whoever take your pick, I feel like he'd be more valuable having a mid card heel under his wing that he can uh, mentor and that he can, you know, pass the guitar on to as it were, but in a similar way that they're using Pac, or not Pac, uh, they're using Sting, I should say, um, with Darby Allen. I think Sting was a big part of elevating Darby Allen in the eyes of the fans. 
And I think Jeff Jarrett just hasn't really, if we're being honest with ourselves, I don't think he's elevated anybody in his being there. I think he's filled TV time, but I think you can have other guys fill TV time. So I would say Jeff Jarrett, for my estimation, I would put him at overrated. Okay. All right. John Moxley. John Moxley. Um, it's typical. I don't. I, I certainly don't think he's overrated because I love John Moxley. I love the fact that this guy just goes out there every week, wrestles young talent, puts young guys over constantly, even in defeat, and continues to be uh, you know a, a huge flag bearer for that company. I, I think Judd, John Moxley is is, is a, that's another push for me. I think that the fans view him; those who love him view him as a top star in AEW and. They viewed him as a top star in the WWE when he was there. Um, those who don't, don't. But that's like, it's all a style thing, right? Like, John Moxley has a specific style. And that style isn't for everybody. But in my eyes, I definitely think that he's earned his credentials. He has, that the poor guy needs a vacation. Like, he really does need a vacation. After seeing that spot at All In, where he had the the skewers in his head the whole time i was just thinking this guy really needs to just go fishing so i'm going to go with a push for john moxley if you'd asked me about dean ambrose i would have said underrated or at very least undervalued in wwe because i do think there's value to having that kind of character in wwe and it's a character that they're kind of missing that sort of wild outside the lines do what they want because they want to type of character and I I don't think he's underrated. I think people sort of see the value of John Moxley and that he has been, you know, probably more than anybody in AEW. He's been sort of the standard bearer and the top star for the company whenever they've needed somebody to step up. And I think the biggest thing that John Moxley has going for him is that the character is so genuine. Like you fully believe everything that comes out of John Moxley's mouth in the John Moxley promo because, you know, it's only but so much character. He's he's very good at delivering that in that way. So yeah, I would say John Moxley is a push. Juice Robinson. Hmm. I'm gonna go ahead and say that I think Juice Robinson is underrated. And the reason being is because I don't think this guy should have come in as a Bullet Club Gold member. I think his wife, fiance, whatever works there. They're two very eccentric characters. They would be a great unit together, and I honestly think that would be the best move for him. I think that him and Tony Storm would play off of each other very well. And quite frankly, like I know he has the chops on the microphone. He obviously has the chops in the ring, and I just feel like him being kind of thrown together into this Bullet Club Gold thing has been sort of, a, for me, an anchor on him. So that's where I'm sitting with Juice. I think he's underrated. For me, I'm going to say that Juice Robinson's overrated. Not necessarily because I think that he is like a particularly bad wrestler or anything like that. I just only know him on reputation. And from my what I've seen in him in AEW, it hasn't lived up to that. And that's not on him. That's just sort of how he's been positioned, how he's been booked. I do think Bullet Club Globe is moving in our in a direction at very least going forward. But it's still, he and Jay White just don't quite it doesn't quite sit right with me. I think there's more to Juice Robinson, certainly. But until I see something 
from him in a company that, you know, I'm actively watching, I can't really do anything but to say that. The person whose shirt I am wearing, you can't see this in the podcast form, but uh, Kenny Omega, Rylan. Kenny Omega is a push. That's that, that one's easy. That's an easy push. This guy is one of the best workers in the business. In my opinion, one of the best workers of all time. Pulls great matches out of everybody from, uh, you know, like a- a- anybody on that AEW roster to a nine-year-old girl. Uh, this guy's uh, the best bout machine for a reason. And to know that he comes from Old Faithful, Transcona, makes me have a little bit more pride in my uh, my hometown. But uh, no, I-, I think this guy gets a lot of crap. He gets a lot of cornet hate um, from that segment of wrestling fans because of the fact that it's a lot of flash and you know it can be at times not a lot of selling and not a lot of whatever i think dependent upon who he's in there with that completely goes away his matches with okada are legendary his matches with will osprey have been phenomenal his matches with moxley but i was gonna say the, the the list goes on pop orange cassidy uh in christian cage Mm-hmm. Like they've all been very, very, very good. He, he has arguably the best world title run in AEW history, and the belt collector gimmick was fantastic, for, especially for getting eyes on Impact Wrestling and having fresh matchups for this guy, even outside of AEW. Um, I personally think that, like I said, I think he's one of the best workers of all time. One of my favorites to ro- to watch every time he gets in there. So he's a push, easy push for me. Kenny Omega is the Kobe Bryant of uh, W of a of the professional wrestling landscape, which is to say that there are some people who will defend him to you know like up and down the mountains, and then there are some people who just can't abide by mostly can't abide by the fans of Kenny Omega rather than Kenny Omega himself. I don't know that Kenny Omega like really offends a lot of people with his you know actions or what he does. Uh, that like that's where the comparison ends. By the way, it's just fan perception. Uh, Kenny Omega is a push because Kenny Omega fans don't like. There's nowhere to go, you know, above where Kenny Omega fans see Kenny Omega, and that's justified, as you mentioned. He is a, a an incredible match artist, and to me is. Like there's another, uh, there's more wrestlers we're going to talk about later on in this, but I am always an advocate for show don't tell. And some people will rag on Kenny Omega for you know his promo work, but like you believe it every time he's in the ring, and so you know that's the important thing. I think it gets lost in some capacity uh, to for me, for wrestling fans, to remember that the match is why we're doing this, you know? Oh. And if the match is good, it can erase a lot of bad stuff. There have been some not great feuds that Kenny Omega has had that were erased as soon as the match started. So, like, I'll, I'll you can't but give him credit for that. Chris Statlander. Chris Statlander is, I see it's a lot of pushes for me. Cause I mean, again, I feel like she's another one that the fans really love her and the online community is pretty positive about her work. Uh, you know, missed moonsaults aside. Um, she's always been uh, somebody who I viewed as a very capable worker in that company and in the women's division, a strong person to put in there with almost anybody. 
She is tremendously talented. Her personality has only grown over the years that she's been there. I, I, while I wasn't a huge fan of the I'm an alien from another planet gimmick, she's kind of grown that character and, you know, left some of that behind. I, I, I'm okay with it. It's just, it, it, it was for me like the sign of somebody who was fresh to the business. And I feel like with this new being more herself and just an extension of herself, she's really, for me anyway, kind of garnered a even more fanfare. Uh, She's great. Uh, you know, I love Chris Statlander, and uh, that's an easy push for me. Uh, to me, Chris Statlander is underrated. I think that her match quality and, and then like the stuff that she's able to do in the ring for a person uh, her size is absolutely incredible. Like we talk about this in in uh, the men's division often. Like she can hit a four fifty, which is you know absurd. I think the thing for me about Chris Statlander that I think. I was kind of put in the same camp as, as like a Jade Cargill. I'm not to that same degree, but I think she has a star quality that I don't, that I think is sometimes overlooked because of some of the other stuff. But in addition to her being, you know, a surprisingly good pair of hands for somebody who's, you know, relatively new to this business, she's also, uh, she's a fascinating character. She is a fascinating human being. Like, I feel like there's, she has earned that belt and I'm hoping that the only thing that, you know, is of any concern is that you pray there aren't any more injuries. If she can have like a lengthy run, the sky's the limit for Chris Statlander. Rylan, the Lucha Bros. Oh, uh, the Lucha Bros for me have always been underrated. Um, not necessarily fan perception wise. I think anyone who loves pro wrestling loves these guys and loves when they get in there with tag teams like the Young Bucks and FTR and who, even uh, the, uh, the Jurassic Express, like all of those great matches. Um, but these two guys are very capable of being single stars. And I think that we're starting to see that with, with Phoenix now. Penta has been somebody who I feel like could have been a world champion, uh, you know, once in the time duration of the time that uh, AEW's existed, I, I I love both these characters. I think there's so much to them, and again, I feel like it's been fine to kind of have them in this role of we're the Lucha Bros, and we occasionally have other friends like Eddie Kingston and and whomever. Uh, I think that uh, you know, like there's more to these guys than just a tag team and not to say that anything bad about tag team wrestling they're a great team to have in there they don't need to break up their brothers they can just go their separate ways or ways and and uh and and have singles runs and i hope that that's what this is uh for phoenix with uh you know, obviously the surprise um title win a couple weeks ago um yeah i i like i said i uh I think they're underrated. I definitely think that they're underrated and underutilized. Same here. They're both incredibly talented. You know, Penta is uh, a fascinating character, a very dark character, you know, has that air of mystery about him that is hard to achieve in modern wrestling. Phoenix is an unbelievably athletic and creative individual in the wrestling wing. Again, more more um show don't tell 
just let them get into the ring and let them do their thing. And they are so impressive to the point where I don't recall a time where I've seen them have a bad match. I, I can't off the top of my head either. So, you know, it, reliability without question. They're the type of people that either one of them or both in combination, you can put on a card without any concern that you're and knowing that you're going to have quality 100%. And then if you book them and give them time and give them the right opponent, you can have a magic, magical event. Luchasaurus. This is also a really tough one because like, I've always said about Luchasaurus, I'm kind of hot and cold with the guy. Like, I think there's times where he goes in there and he has great matches. I also kind of think that there's times where he goes in there and kind of doesn't. And um, it's a hard character because, like, you're limited in the fact that you're not really talking. Um, A lot of people draw comparisons to late 90s Kane. um, And there's that hanging over him. I don't know, like... I haven't seen like I've seen some good tag performances with Jungle Boy and certainly that the cage match he had with Jungle Boy was very, very good. But like that's two matches or like two matches that come to mind. Uh, I'm sure there was a few more with the tag uh, title run. Um, Just hasn't done it for me. I think the Christian thing is interesting, but I mean, ultimately, it looked like it was just a way to get the belt onto Christian uh, without having to have him win it technically, or, or, you know, beat anybody of substance in any sort of match that was, you know, whatever. Yeah, local chorus for me, he's overrated. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm going to go opposite of you again. I think Luchasaurus is underrated. I think the big thing is that people don't realize the dude can actually talk. I, in his opportunities on being the elite, he has been incredibly funny and charismatic, has a surprisingly good comedic timing. He is a very impressive wrestler. He's got great size, delivers kicks about as well as anybody in the entire roster. And like the dude literally has a master's degree in like, I can't even remember what it is. Medieval, yeah, medieval history, I think. Like, mm-hmm. there's so much you could be doing with him that they aren't. Do you, do, you, do you think that the gimmick hampers him as a professional wrestler? No, I think the problem is that it's it's the same thing as any number of other people, is that we we assume the gimmick means that they have to be typecast in a specific way. Like What's the why couldn't Luchasaurus talk? Like he has cut promos on TV before. He cut a promo on Chris Jericho very early on in the uh in advance of Jungle Boy's match with Chris Jericho while Jericho held the title. Like the thing about it is that people look at him, especially the heel character now, and see Kane, and they think that means that he can't speak. And I don't have a problem with Christian Cage being his manager and mouthpiece, because Christian Cage is really good at that. But I do think that it there's an element that it overshadows what this guy is actually fully capable of. And I do think the character can show how domineering he is, but it doesn't show his like more entertaining, more fun side as well that we got to see with the Jurassic Express. And that there's an element to that that I miss with, with those two being split up. 
Right. So I think I think it's kind of true with Jungle Boy too. Is you know, there's an element of that that is there's a little bit missing. Moving along, um, Malachi Black. Malachi Black is underrated. That's another guy. That why haven't why hasn't this guy been world champion? You know, he's been with this company for like three years now. Mm-hmm. Like, why hasn't he been world champion? This guy is a main eventer. They knew it in NXT. They floundered him on the main roster in WWE. He eventually made a very surprising turn to AEW, which unfortunately was kind of capped off by the everybody's feuding with everybody feud with himself, Cody, and Andrade. And it, it it got lost in a weird way, and I don't think he ever fully recovered from that. Uh, the House of Black has been great. I th- I want to say, like, I think it's been fantastic. I, I hope that them dropping the trios title at all in was a sign that they are going to start to take these guys more seriously and push him more towards, you know, a world title uh, or even like a, a T, uh, you know, a TNT title or, or whatever. He needs a singles title. And I think that they don't need to be uh, the, the other two don't need to be champions to be legitimate muscle. Like this guy is fantastic. And I, I'll say the same thing. I've said the same thing about Brody King and I'll say the same thing uh, later. Like, or I, I, or sorry, I said it about Buddy Matthews. It's, it's been, this has been great for all three guys. I just really hope that it, you know, leads to, you know, something more of substance for Malachi. Because if there's a wrestler in AEW who deserves that, that run right now, for me, it's him. I feel very similar to him that I feel about Kevin Owens in the WWE. Both guys are world title material who are not being utilized to that level. Malachi Black is, I think the thing that, because he's underrated to me, obviously. He's the best finisher in wrestling. He's incredibly athletic, athletically impressive, delivers great matches. His background in kickboxing makes his striking so realistic and looks so devastating. It's what makes, you know, Black Bass is a kick, but nobody doubts it as a finisher. Everybody in the building knows that when, once that that is hit, that is over. And, and you know, I, I can talk at length about his NXT run because I think it got lost in the shuffle of a series of very good NXT runs that were happening at the same time. As I do think he had an underrated NXT championship run. But to me, the thing that Malachi Black delivers more than anything else is how creative he is. Like it's clear this guy really loves the business and really wants the opportunity to tell stories in a way that I do think AEW dropped the ball on him early, but House of Black has sort of really come around and I hope that they run with them because they should be, all of them should be world champions in some capacity or at least champions in some capacity. Incredibly talented group and Malachi Black, as far as, promo ability as far as presence as far as ability to convey a seriously sinister character in 2023 something that's very very difficult to do yeah malachi black is underrated matt hardy oh matt hardy's uh matt hardy is overrated uh matt hardy walks like uh when when he was was walking in the ring, he I'm very much so reminded of the Great Muda. Uh, they have the same sort of uh, ginger uh, movements with their legs. This guy is 
past his prime in the ring. I think everything creatively we were going to get out of Matt Hardy, I think we have gotten it out of Matt Hardy. And right now, I would say the same thing for Jeff, like, and I will, like, it's just, it's kind of like, there's, for me, there's nothing left. It was cool to see Matt Hardy in Winnipeg. I'll say that. It was really cool. Once that music came on, it was nice to be in that moment. But there's just nothing left for me. Like, I don't want to see another match with the Bucks. I'm not really interested in them in FTR. I'm not really interested in them getting another tag t- tag title run. Just maybe a match against a uh, private party. Maybe maybe that finality uh, to them. But other than that, I just, I don't know. For me, both of them are just kind of eh, done for me. Matt Hardy's creativity cannot be doubted. Like The guy reinvented himself in, in an indie scene that I think everyone assumed was going to chew him up. Yes. But I do think Matt Hardy is a case study. Uh, Matt Hardy's impact is a case study of what you can get when you let a creative wrestler run with whatever ideas they have, because he alone made impact much watched television for a substantive run. And they brought him back to WWE largely on the back of that. Like, they brought the Hardy Boys back to WWE. I mean, obviously, when they got there, they made them the Hardy Boys again. But they brought them back to WWE largely on the work that Matt was doing, which you could have never said before in WWE's history with the Hardy Boys. Right. So, I do, like, I'll give him that. But, yeah, I agree with you. We're at the point where Matt Hardy is at the end of his in-ring career now Matt Hardy's a guy I would definitely want backstage and he's a guy that I do think I hope there is some way for him to pass the torch on to have somebody else take over not the same gimmick but some sort of zany out there wildly creative gimmick that he can just sort of run whoever whomever could just sort of run with because i do think there's there's more to be done with regards to the hardy story and i think there would have been more in aew were it not for some really unfortunate circumstances and like he came there during the pandemic which was really sad we never really got that opportunity to see it that injuries feuds that went wrong like there's a lot of stuff that sort of went sideways with matt hardy but i do think that we're at the stage of his career that we're sort of waiting for whatever the last match happens to be. Miro. Miro's underrated. Like this guy got over on the fact that he's just a beefy dude on the last pay-per-view. Like this guy is a charisma machine. Uh, In-ring is so much fun. Uh, Very good on the mic. Very confusing storyline going on with him and his wife right now in AEW, but whatever. Like The the booking in AEW has always been pretty inconsistent for Miro, as it was in the WWE. This guy came in with all the firepower in the world and looked like he could have been the guy to you know beat John Cena at WrestleMania. He came out in a tank, Kyle. He came out in a tank. And unfortunately, it has not panned out for this guy. I I think the TNT title run is probably the best title run this guy's had in his career. And I hope that I, he's another guy like I like Malachi Black, who I feel like should be primed and ready for a world title run. So I hope that that's what the direction we're gonna we're, we're going in. I I'm glad that Collision exists for the fact that he has at least a significant amount of TV time every week. 
Yeah, Miro's underrated. Like, what's sad to me is that Miro had that match at that pay per view where he came out in the tank and lost to John Cena, and that's not remote. And that's not the most devastating loss he ever had on pay per view. Like, that's what's sad about the push. The push of of Rusev is they had the, the one of the best gimmicks that was going in WWE at the time completely fall into their lap just on the fact that he and Eddie English had caught lightning in a bottle and WWE's missed opportunity with Rusev day with this is saying something probably top five all-time missed opportunities for WWE. I am dead serious when I say that, which is saying something because you know, there's a, a long history of dropping balls in that company, but AEW picked them up and they dropped a few balls of their own. Didn't they? Yeah. Like, yeah, the guy comes in, has a ton of fire, is fascinating uh, as the sort of like the as the best man. Um, they didn't really do anything with that, which didn't make any sense because they like he and Kip Sabian had great chemistry too, uh, and seemed to catch lightning in a bottle, and they just didn't go with it. Then he re- reinvents himself again, is feuding with God in one of the most fascinating stories going in AEW at the time, and they dropped that too, apropos of nothing. I do not understand what this guy has to do to keep the attention of management at AEW, but you know. Good on him for continuing to try because I think he's going to have another fascinating thing going. He, the thing that doesn't Mero doesn't get enough credit for is how well he's able to reinvent his character. Yes, because he has reinvented himself quite a few times and has been fascinating every time. Obviously, in the ring, he's great too. Like that goes without saying. Right, Roland MJF. MJF's a push. Like the people love him. And it's rightfully so. Is a great in. This guy's getting '80s wrestling over in 2023. Like, let's be honest here. That's what he's doing. He's not doing a ton. Like, don't get me wrong. When you talk about an Iron Man match with Danielson, of course he's doing a lot of work, and of course he's a great wrestler, so he can, he's capable of doing that. But this, if you look at like even the Ring of Honor tag title run he's had with Adam Cole, they're not going out there and stealing the show. They're just having these fun, big spot matches where the crowd goes wild over a suplex or a double clothesline, and ultimately he's a genius in that in that aspect. He's also a genius on the microphone. This guy can talk himself in many many circles and has all the adulation of all of his. Peers, no one talks bad about MJF. If you look at like the the wrestling landscape, no one has a bad thing to say about him. They all say he's a nice guy, and you'd never guess it. Um, but even this week, the Undertaker had made a comment about how he wished he could work with MJF, and that's high praise. That's really high praise, and he he loved that. You know what I mean? So. This is a guy who, in the next few months, we're going to find out what his future really is. And if he decides, and I really do hope he decides to stay with AEW, this has to be their guy. This has to be the face of the company. And he has earned it. He's he's come from the bottom of that company. In th- This guy was in the first match of the original All-In in the Battle Royale. He was also on the uh, the first match they ever had on pay-per-view. Like, he's 
it's, it's truly a story of coming from the bottom and getting to the top of the card through hard work, dedication. And, uh, again, like this guy's great. I, I don't know. I don't know what, what else more I can really say about MJF besides the fact that he's one of my favorite wrestlers. And that happened very quickly. Like I didn't know who MJF was. And then all of a sudden he was one of my favorites. So a, a hard push for me. So MJF is, I'm like, I want to at a principal say he's overrated, but he, you can't. He's not. Um, he, he reaches the bar, a very high bar that he sets for himself. And that's, it goes to show like how impressive a person can be when they set the bar for themselves that high. What I'll, I'll say a push, but I kind of want to say underrated. I think the thing that MJF that he doesn't get enough credit for. Everyone, you know, talks about the promos and like, like him cutting the, the promo on, on Tony Khan or, you know, some of the others, the big promo stuff that he's done. Obviously he had a legendary promo series of promos with William Regal. Um, the Bum. stuff that he, yeah, the stuff with CM Punk was, was amazing. Like the, the dude can talk and there's no question about that. And he can wrestle. We've seen him have great matches. The fatal four way, uh, is low key, a really underrated match. Um, and you know, obviously the, the match with, with Danielson is, is legendary, but the thing that MJF that really for me sets him apart is two things. One, his versatility is unbelievable. Like you're talking about a guy who had those serious moments who cut the promo about his stuff with CM Punk, which was so unbelievably earnest for a character that is hard to classify as earnest and really cut to the core of the emotion of that, that feud in a way that only he can do. And then we saw him in Winnipeg get thrown into a cake. And that's the second, thing. and uh, like one of my all time favorite segments in, in us do our time doing this is um, him and Jericho singing me and my shadow. Like I totally get a kick out of that. And the dude's got pipes. Like he's oh, just yeah. good at a lot of stuff. But I think the big thing for me with MJF is that that cake thing is he knows when the time is because he's the guy who runs his mouth. He's the guy who, you know, is arrogant and whatever, all the different things. And he has that same quality that the, his forebears, the Ric Flair's and gorgeous George's. And yes, I do level that kind of praise on MJF um, of the past, which he knows that when it's time for him to get beat and he knows when it's time for him to, you know, be the butt of the joke. And, and like for him to be able to go from like God tier feuds with Cody and the stuff with Danielson or whatever to some of the silly stuff that he's doing with Adam Cole or that he did with Sammy Guevara before that, like that is a level of versatility that allows you to have him on television every week and never be bored. Cause you never know what you're going to get with him, which is what I love about AEW writ large is you never know what you're going to get. And he is that in a microcosm because boy, he can deliver in basically everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Orange Cassidy. Ooh, Orange Cassidy for me, underrated. Just look at the year he's had. Look at, look at the opportunity. Like I will say like, don't get me wrong. This guy got himself over very quickly in AEW and kind of kept himself to a degree where he, he wasn't, he's not everyone's cup of tea, but people respect the hustle and people respect the ring work. And 
The guy delivers every time he goes out, out there. The international championship run was great. And again, it's got him in a position where I think he's definitely a contender for everyone. Anyone who appreciates AEW and WWE has this guy as a contender for wrestler of the year. Just given the story he's told with uh, that title run, the great finale with John Moxley, and I mean, like he's he made him he made he made himself a main adventure. That's what he did in 2023. So until I see him with a world title, he's underrated. Uh, Orange Cassidy to me is underrated, and I'll tell you why is that. Orange Cassidy might is the is the absolute master of overcoming the limits that people set on him. This guy's a silly character who can't uh, have a great match. First pay per view match he has was Pac, and go back and watch that match. That match is entertaining. It is incredibly fun and entertaining. Well, he's not really a serious wrestler. And then he delivers a, a match of the year candidate with Kenny Omega and Pac in a triple threat for the world title. Where at points you believed he was going to win the world title. Oh, well he can't, you know, talk. He can't deliver a, a good feud because he, he, he doesn't have that kind of uh, character presence. Go back and watch the stuff that he was doing with Chris Jericho and the back and forth that they had. And with Eric Bischoff of all people in that debate, that was great television. Yes, and was. he was really, really good in that role. And, you know, he threw Chris Jericho into a vat of orange uh, liquid and it was entertaining the entire way. Um, and then, you know, the thing is, well, he could never be a champion. Like we could never believe him as a champion. And then he went out and turned the perception on the international title by himself with uh, a run that goes up there as one of the best runs of any champion in AEW history. Just in volume, ability to bring out matches, and ability to really show the entire roster's ability to like deliver on great matches. He was having great matches with people that are you know often afterthoughts in the company. And I think it's a sign to me that there always was more to this character than people gave credit for. And like, it does take a level of creativity that is really, really undervalued in creating a character like Orange Cassidy because there's never been a character like that before. Couldn't agree more. Underrated. Uh, Puck. Hawk is also underrated. Uh, <laughs> he's another guy who I feel like there's the we. I started off by pushing a lot of people, but now it's a lot of underrated. Hawk's a phenomenal wrestler uh, in the ring. Uh, he's uh, had an opportunity to prove in AEW um, that he is also a magician when it comes to cutting a promo. And I love all of his just standing in the streets of England uh, in his gear, um, just yelling at somebody. Um, all of those promos were great. He made an eye patch work. He made an eye patch work. Um, a guy who I always thought was a tremendous talent when he was in WWE, but so underutilized because of the fact that, you know, he's not the tallest guy on the roster. But ultimately, Pac has um, not reached the, the truest potential that he has in AEW, or that he can in AEW. Again, he's another guy like I've mentioned with numerous people who should have had a world title run or could have had a world title run by now. 
Um, I don't think that the clock is has stopped ticking for that. But uh, hopefully he can come back from this injury that he has pretty quickly and get back to uh, some great wrestling because Pac is a guy who, while he hasn't always been like a prevalent member of that roster uh, week to week, he is, when he's there, kicking ass and taking names. And I love watching me Pac. There's some Pac matches. Pac is a character that... He's the type of character. He's underrated. Obviously, he was. He's been underrated since he was Neville. Like that was every that that name screamed underrated. Yeah, he was underrated as Adrian Neville, let alone just Neville. Like his entire career is a story of people undervaluing the ability that he can bring to the ring. Podcast an example of a guy of why I wish AEW the thing they could really use is. I'm trying to um that new what's the new Japan tournament that they do every year? Uh, the G1? Yeah. The AEW, not like that level of and that number of matches and all of the the whatever that comes with that. But they could use a tournament, something like that. They could use something to showcase all of the talent that they have in the roster. Because Pac is one of those guys that promo game is on par. He can be a face or a heel. He's a really, really good heel. And obviously, one of the best wrestlers that they have, both as the, the athletics, the acrobatics, the believable violence, the technical ability, the brutalizer is an excellent technical finisher. And he pairs it with him like doing a a, a diving move off of the off the top rope. Yeah. Like something you'd expect an Olympic diver to do. Like yeah, he is he is a special talent. And I do think that, that people sleep on him a little bit. AEW certainly does. So I think uh, Pac is underrated. Private party. Private party's definitely underrated. I think that them changing characters and joining up with Matt Hardy was a detriment hugely to them because I think that they were u- unique. They had uh, a lot of uh, great things going for them and a lot of great tag matches under their belts at that point. Um, so, and given that they've kind of traded injuries back and forth now and the Matt Hardy stuff seems to have wrapped up, I hope dearly that we do get to see them return in, in their old, you know, gimmick and, and, and kind of really dive deep into that because like i feel like they weren't fully fleshed out in that gimmick either and i would love to see where that would was going to go the tag landscape has changed since private party had the real opportunity to be a tag team we haven't gotten to see them wrestle ftr or the acclaimed or the guns or you know any of those new fresh tag matches that they could really really deliver and they're really good um i think they're underrated as well you know what i miss I miss the entrance where they came out and the, they had the person open the velvet rope for them. Like it's we're alla- wrestling's allowed to be fun. Yes. And when wrestling forgets that it's silly, it loses something for me. And private party, they're a group that, you know, I, th- I feel like they represent the kind of silliness in wrestling and they're obviously great in the ring. Like, uh, People forgot Mark Quinn had a really good singles match against Cody when Cody was doing the wrestle the people that nobody expects part of his gimmick while he held the TNT championship. There, there's talent. Isaiah Cassidy can, you know, he is incredibly athletically talented. Like 
these guys were recruited for this tag team division. I hope we get to see them come back to it and be the kind of you know, elevate themselves in a way that I, I think we know they have the capacity to do. Rylan Ruby Soho. Uh, Ruby Soho is underrated. This poor lady can never get a win on the big stage. Whenever the opportunity is the best and the stakes are the highest, Ruby Soho fucks that matchup some way, shape, or form. I think that the Outcasts was a good idea. Unfortunately, the Outcasts was not very well delivered. So her career has been in certainly a position where she's been on television every week, and she almost wins the Owen Hart tournament every month or every year. But she has not gotten to a point where she has made a huge splash in that company. And she's so good. She's so damn good that she deserves it. And she's put so much time into this business. that I'm such a big fan. So, like, what I would really love to see is ultimately her taking that title off Soraya. I think that would be a great way to crown her a champion. And mm. give that division a fresh new outlook. Um, but we'll see. I mean, like, time will tell. She's still paired with the women's champion. So there's still opportunity to do things with her. I just hope that one day they finally realize how much of a catch they have with her. I remember the days when I used to watch Up, Up, Down, Down a lot. And by the way, Truly underrated is Austin Creed's ability to do interviews. He's an incredible interviewer. But he they were did an interview with Ruby Soho and uh, at the time of Ruby Riot, she's a delight. She is a, a delightful human being and an amazing personality and so you know endlessly fascinating. She's another one of those people that I just don't understand what it's gonna take. And I think I think it's harder to say that she's like fully underrated, but she's certainly underutilized. I think the fans sort of recognize that she's very, very good. But man, let her win something. Give her make a thing so that she can win it. I don't care what it is. Make it a trophy or a cup or a belt or a something. Give her something that she can win. Honestly. I still don't like, I know everyone's, you know, whatever, AEW has too many titles, blah, blah, blah. They still need a women's tag division. I really do think that. And women's tag titles, I think, would be something that she can work with because she's also a great tag team wrestler. Certainly. Though, and I think people sleep on, in her run with in WWE, how really good the Riot Squad was. They were an underrated, underappreciated group in their time. Absolutely. And uh, were they not around in time when the women had a tag division and they never got to that that time that tag title? They wrestled for it, but they never gave it for them to them. Uh, all right, we'll move on. Here's a here's an interesting one. Sammy Guevara. Um that's a push, I think. He's not overrated. He is certainly a character. Um he is f- pretty phenomenal in the ring, no matter where he- you know, who he's in there with. He just had a great match with Chris Jericho on television. And uh, while I don't feel like it was the right direction, and I'm not, I'm, I'm concerned with his relationship now with Don Callis, um, and him always needing a group, that's, that's also the thing for me. Um, 
I do think that there is a lot to this guy. I mean, this guy's been doing a vlog for years, much like the the uh, the elite have been, and he is somebody who, while has been problematic in the past, has really kind of you know taken to being one of those four pillars, those four young stars in AEW, and um, you know done well for himself. So I, I I don't think that I certainly don't think he's overrated. I don't think he's underrated either. I don't think that like he he certainly had a couple of runs with the TNT title and a very great ladder match with Cody Rhodes that I think we 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 forget about when we think about some of Sammy Guevara's great matches in AEW. But um, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna give him a push. I think that he de- it deserves a push. Uh, speaking of matches that we forget about, uh, the Fatal Four Way. With him, Jericho, um, Claudio, and who else was in that match? Or somebody else. It was for the ROH title I, during yeah. the, the Ocho run. Very, very good. Um, Sammy is going to get a push for me, too. And I think the reason Sammy gets a push for me, like, you've said everything. He's he's a, a solid talker. He is an excellent wrestler. Uh, his character is well fleshed out. He is an excellent heel. The thing for me that holds Sammy Guevara back is he's one of those guys. He's of the Seth Rollins school where the moveset screams babyface, but oh, you kind of rather him be a heel. That was Seth, I think, story for a long, long time. And I'm interested to see when they're going to they i think they've tried to sort of make break the cha- make the change a couple times and then they just sort of turn back on it because it's a recognition sammy is a better heel than he is a face which is fine i just think they're the limitation for him for me is always going to be that he i feel like he could use to be a baby face but i feel like there's more it's going to take more to get to the place where he's going to be able to be fair enough so samojo Samoa Joe is not underrated. I think that there was a period of time, in, definitely in WWE, he was underrated. Um, and you know what? I'll even say, yes, in TNA, he was underrated and underutilized. The fact that he only held the title, I think, twice in the time that he spent with Impact Wrestling is disgusting. This guy is the f- total package. He is a phenomenal in-ring worker. The talking is just that only adds to it because he's already a scary individual to look at. But when he gets on the microphone and just tells you he's going to eat your children or whatever the fuck he's been, you know, comes up with, it's, it's terrifying every time. He's great. Uh, and a guy who's really not slowed down. Like he's not a young guy and he's wrestling consistently well. Yes, there's been, um, injury bugs that he's gone through. But he's taken pretty decent care of himself to the point where, at his age now, he is holding the Ring of Honor Television Championship, and he's a former TNT champion. Uh, the stuff he did with Wardlow was great. The stuff he did with CM Punk was great. Um, I just I, I can't get enough of Samoa Joe right now. So I, I, I enjoyed the the MJF stuff quite a bit too. I'm happy they didn't continue it because i think that there's a bigger story to tell with mjf so i'm happy that they kept it at the one the few week program there um but in what he's got next coming for him i don't know i'd love to see what the matchup for him is on wrestle three so to me i i do think he's a push because i think the community at large 
really love Samoa Joe. And so I don't think that there's anything to say, but Samoa Joe is the ultimate guy of every time you give him anything, he runs with it to the nth degree. And he's also in the same camp as Miro in the sense that he's so miscast as a heel. Like the guy is just, he is so charismatic and so believably violent and so entertaining. Like the, I recognize that it is heelish to a degree for the gimmick where the long standing gimmick where people will jump off the top rope and he just sort of walks away. But like, God, it gets the crowd every time, you know, like, and same thing. He cut a heel promo. One of the all time great WWE promos that is completely forgotten is Joe going out there and having like a minute and a half to run down the entire, uh, the entire group of people who are going into a chamber. So it was five people that he cut promos on and legendary. Yes. The, the, the story of him just being said, being told you got like two and a half minutes and then we're, we're going off the air and he just annihilates them. Just annihilates them. Uh huh. To the he, point where he popped Randy Orton on live TV. Sure did. Um, and you, you know, the, the, the line on Jeff Hardy, um, the you pretend it's a, and let me, uh, yeah, be quiet whenever, when I'm sharing with the group, God. And like, even the callback to like the, uh, an HA, how's my old girl, girl Wendy doing a callback to what was a bad feud. <laughs> between the two of them but god if he wasn't entertaining the whole way through Samoa yeah. Joe's a legend and if we're talking all time he's one of he's among the most underrated wrestlers in the modern era but now I do think people nobody sleeps on Samoa Joe anymore. so no. Soraya Rylan it's hard because mm-hmm. because we haven't really had a full, you know, run with her yet in AEW. We're coming up on a year, or we I think we're, we're past the year point because she she showed up on Grand Slam last year, did she not? Something like that. Or was it the Toronto? It was the Toronto show in October. Right. So we're we're we're, we're coming up on a year. She's women's champion. Mm-hmm. Um but a lot of it has been bad. A lot of it has been bad. Uh the attempt to be a baby face was fine until i i guess we realized that she wasn't you know obviously doing the best talking and she was having rough promos and then she immediately very confusingly became a heel and started this group which again a lot of promise as soon as they paired the three of them up i was like i like this then they just kept spray painting and it just never connected the it was just so confusing for the longest time of who was who, who was really good and who was really bad because they, they started feuding with people who were, who, who were heels to, to begin with. And, and now we're at a point where Tony storm has left the group and has become Marilyn Monroe. That's fine. Uh, it's fascinating. Um, but now it's just her and Ruby and she's got the title and I guess we'll see. Um, I'm gonna, I'm going to say because of the run in AW, she's overrated right now. I will give Soraya a push. I'm I'm kind of with you, but I will give Soraya a push because I do think we need to wait a little bit longer. And also that we slept on uh Paige. That she was, you know, as Paige she was 
criminally underrated. Here's the thing I'll say that is interesting about Soraya and the modern age of wrestling is in that absence of time that she was gone, her kind of character went from being counterculture to kind of being the culture. You know what I mean? Like, when she was Paige, she was something completely different because, you know, she was in a Bella-dominated locker room. Right. And, like... You know, you can't have a more stark departure between the, you know, the Bellas and, and Paige. Uh, just you know, a complete difference in in uh, in upbringing and in in how in in um, you know how into the wrestling culture she was at the time. Again, she's somebody who started wrestling at thirteen. Like Brittany Knight was wrestling. <laughs> Years before she should have been. Um, not because she wasn't talented, but because, yeah, that does damage. Um, those are, those are city miles. But yeah, I feel like we're at a place now where that kind of like cool indie rest style wrestler persona is kind of ubiquitous especially in AEW there's just a lot of those types of characters and so i feel like when she came in what she represented wasn't you know what she represented in in the landscape of WWE when she wrestled before so i'm interested to see where they decide to go with this particular character and i do i do want to see what her run with the title is going to be so i'll reserve judgment for the time being and, and call it a push but yeah i'm definitely with you is that things haven't worked the way i would have wanted them to which is weird because her in the ring there was rust early on but she's fine yeah no she 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 has definitely been able to come back and kind of recapture the form that she had. And thankfully she was very young when she had to retire. So it wasn't like an edge where you were off for a significant amount of time, but you're also in your late forties, right? Like she's still early thirties and she still has an opportunity to have a great career and her career the way she wants to and have a great one. So, I mean, I, I give, give her all the props in the world. I just, I think that, uh, yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a big we'll see with, with uh, Soraya right now. Swear Strickland. Oh, underrated. Underrated. Another guy who I could have seen as the world champion by now. Great talker. Great in-ring. Uh, the guy is creative as all hell. Like, you saw it when he was in the WWE. Like You saw he was the Lucha Underground. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, like, yeah, but I mean, it was different. It was different. Lucha. Sure. Everybody was creative at Lucha Underground. But anyway, no, um, this has always been a guy who uh, I've been super, super high on. Um, I, I, the WWE really slept on him. And I would even say a lot during that NXT run too. Until Hit Row took off, I think that he was being underutilized in that company as well and underrated in that company as well. Um, this guy did not need to lose to Darby Allen and Sting at all. Um, I really hope that at Wrestle Dream, he beats Hangman Page because I don't think Hangman Page needs that win. So I agree I really, with you. I, 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 I also cannot wait for that match. So yeah, I know this is going to come out weeks after we talk about that, but uh, I'm excited for that. Um, this is a guy who has been underrated everywhere he's gone, and he holds true to this day. Underrated. Yeah, um, he, yeah, he's criminally underrated. Swerve is 
Here's another thing. Hit Row should have been a big, big deal mm-hmm. in WWE. They they captured something. Like, what's amazing is, like, they got the best out of Swerve in that group, too, because, like, you know, he had the opportunity to be that top star that, that he deserved to be. But then they also had these two guys who, let's be honest, were pretty green in the ring. But, man, that group was working. They had something that really, really worked, and they had something really, really entertaining, and they got tired of it as soon as they put up to the main roster. It didn't make any sense. Um, yeah, uh, Swerve is Swerve is so underrated. He is he's incredibly talented. And yeah, I agree with you. I'm a huge Hangman Page guy. I will stand up for him uh, all the time. But yeah, he he should beat Hangman, and that should be the catapult too. And then. I don't think we're going to get the the match with Keith Lee that we were hoping for. I just don't know that they can they can deliver on that at this point in time. But Swerve is so so good, and also one of the things that I can say about him as compared to like a Sammy Guevara, he can be a great face too. Yes, I think he's a better heel, but he is a very good face too. His stuff with Keith Lee should have been an indication of that. If you know all the times before wasn't Rylan. The acclaimed. Uh, the acclaimed are uh, that's a push for me. They, if you would have asked me, ah, you know what? I don't think I've ever thought they were overrated. I think that they are exactly what they advertise. Sometimes, uh, you know, you look like I would never put either of those guys up against a hangman page or uh a Pac or anything like that and compare them wrestling. Or maybe I'm thinking maybe just move sets, but wrestling wise, they're not on the same caliber. But as entertainers and guys who have, again, they're, they're guys who I think are perfect examples of much like MJF who can do a lot with a little. And they're having great matches, but like what spectacular move do either of them do? You know what I mean? Like they they do lots of you know gimmicky stuff, and it works. Uh, Max Caster is a great rapper, and he's creative as all hell. And uh, as controversial as he likes to be at times, uh, he always usually finds that that one line at least every week that sends the crowd nuts. So I don't know. I. Uh... <laughs> I think that they're definitely a, a push for me. Like they've had a tag run. They're now in their trios title run. Um, they've always very much so been a top tier team. So yeah, I, I don't think uh, I could, I, I could, I would never consider them overrated or underrated. Yeah. They're a push for me too. I do think that they're better wrestlers than people give them credit for. Like they certainly, they can hold their own against other good tag teams. And I do think there is something to that. Like if the indication of FTR versus the guns, if that was any indication, like you do need somebody else to do their end of business. And I do think that the acclaimed are more than capable of doing that. They're a lot of fun. Again, wrestling can be fun and wrestling is good when it's allowed to be fun. And the acclaimed are epitomized that. Well, and well, before, before we move on, I, I will say, too, uh, uh, the acclaimed have done for Billy Gunn what Billy Gunn couldn't do for himself for years and years and years. And I, I'm not that's not a knock on Billy Gunn. Either. No, because Billy Gunn always had it. He always did. You can look back and, and look at some of those matches. He always was very, very good. 
Um, it was a circuit. It was just him being in the circumstance of being in between a, a, an era that the rock and stone cold Steve Austin were the guys and no one was going to take to a Billy Gunn. Billy Gunn in 2023 is a champion. He is over to the, like a ridiculous degree. And a lot of it is, has to do with the fact that he was paired with these guys and they figured it out, uh, figured out a way to get themselves to the point where 83,000 or 73,000, whatever it is at this point, uh, people were scissoring and, 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 and Wembley. That, that's a, that's a pretty incredible feat. Yeah. I, I'll say this. Billy Gunn, I'll, well, the thing I'll give him credit for is they had a really silly idea for him and he could have, you know, called seniority and said, no, I'm a serious wrestler. Like I want to, I, I want to still be taken seriously. And, and I don't think anybody would have knocked him for it, but he ran with this and boy, it paid off. Yep. You can tell I made this list a little bit a while ago, but we'll go with it anyway. Thunder Rosa. Um, it's been so long since I've seen her. Almost, you know, like, and the AEW moves at such a rate that you almost forget that people are there when you don't see them for a while. Um, she's not, she's not, um, underrated. I'd say I'm going to give her a push leaning towards over just because, like, I enjoy her work with certain people, but I haven't enjoyed all of her work. Um, Britt Baker, that's the, the, they, as many problems as they have personally with one another, they are each other's best opponent. Um, that match, that, that, that lights out match will forever be one of the most incredible things I've ever seen in women's wrestling. And she's, she deserves half the credit to that. Um, but I'll give her a push leaning towards over just because again, I, I, it hasn't always been that good. So, We'll see. Uh, hopefully we see her sooner rather than later. I'll say a little bit over. Like, it's tricky because she is very good. It's just, for whatever reason, whether it be bad luck or bad circumstances or just not gelling with opponents, whatever happens to be, some of it's just sort of been fine. Her title run, and then, like, you know, injuries are contributing. A lot of the different stuff that, that came with that. People were really hyped to see her win, and then it just sort of unraveled, and it's disappointing. And I'm sure backstage stuff was probably a part of the element of that, and that stuff I don't really want to get in too much to judging. But, like, yeah, it's it's tough with Thunder Rosa. I I do want to see her back again. I, wanted, I think she added something unique to the division, and I think she had opponents. Like, obviously, the match with Britt Baker, the matches with Britt Baker were phenomenal. That one match in particular, obviously, amazing. And I think she had other opponents that she could deliver with, too, and, you know, more that we could probably wait to see. But, like, yeah, I don't know. I feel like there's, there's more to the character than we ever got. Tony Storm. Here's a fun one, because if you would ask me while she was working for the WWE, I would say overrated. I don't get it. I don't like it. It's just she's OK in the ring, but like doesn't light my world on fire. This lady's been great. AEW. This is the place that she should have been wrestling from the beginning. Um, she has developed so much charisma, both character wise. And I feel like she's really developed in ring. To, I, I know she always had some great matches in WWE, certainly with Rhea Ripley and and other opponents. But I never, I, I feel like her best matches have been in AEW for me, anyway. So I'm going to give her a push because 
Uh, I think that she's definitely earned the respect that she has. And this new character fascinates me. I need to know how she just broke and became a, a 1920s actress. Tony Storm is underrated. She's so good. Like, I, I was always higher on her than, than you were in NXT. And I do think that, that that sort of held true. I think her stuff with Rhea Ripley in the UK thing uh, when they were first coming up was, was underrated. But yeah, Tony Storm is very good and is still incredibly young and really talented and a lot of fun. And yeah, she'll go and, and deliver on whatever silly stuff they've got. And it is telling that when they needed somebody to step up and, you know, hold the the reins of the of the AEW women's division while they were, you know, gearing up to get Soraya and while Jenny Hader was hurt and everything or all those different situations that they had, that they gave it to Tony Storm was telling. Because Tony Storm you know, is talented and deserves it. And I feel like that goes without saying at this point. So yeah, she's underrated. We've got a, a difficult one, but I'm, I'm interested to hear your thoughts. Wardlow. Wardlow is interesting. You're correct on that because he, he, uh, he's been very good. There's been points in his career where he's been very good, but he has also just been kind of like there at points too. And he's been gone for a while. So it, I think it really, it, this comeback here is going to be, I, I think, a make or break moment for Wardlow in AEW because either he's going to have people going nuts in the rafters for this guy when he comes back. Or maybe it's time to go over the, the, to the WWE and see what the, the grass is like on that, you know, lawn. Because I think that this guy's tailor-made for the WWE. I think he could work that style very easily. I think that all of his big, impressive feats, like the, the Swanton Bomb and all these other th- incredible things that he could do. The F-10. Would be, yeah, yes, that would be awesome. It would be amazing to see Wardlow come in and F-10 Brock Lesnar. Mm-hmm. Imagine that. That would be great. Um, I just, I, I'm, I kind of at the, I'm, with him, I'm kind of at the point where I think he'd be better off there. And we've seen that, like, it's not out of the realm of possibility for AEW stars to go over there. Like, Cody and, as we recently learned, Jade Cargill. Like, we're, the last episode, we, we literally, Jade Cargill was one of the last we talked about. And it, it, some things have happened since then, my friend. So. Needless to say, like Wardlow, I think fits into that same category. He's a guy who I think would be incredible there. I just don't know if he's incredible in AEW. So I'm going to go with uh, overrated. Interesting. I'm going to give Wardlow a push because I th- I do think that uh, there have been enough ups and downs that I do think that there's it's more to say. Wardlow, if there's one story that AEW told to absolute perfection, from start to finish and showed their ability to tell a long-term story. It was a story of Wardlow. This is a guy who was MJF's muscle forever and delivered in that role perfectly. And then his sort of unleashing to become his own man, such a great story. And 
then him getting the opportunity to get one over on MJF and getting the opportunity to win the TNT title. Like there's, they kept building and building and it was really, really good. And then it just sort of plateaued and he was still getting cheered. The, the power bomb symphony that he was conducting was still really popular. And that's the thing about it is I don't know what happened. The match that he had with, with Samoa Joe and it was Joe and Brian cage. Yes. Was really good. That was some great Haas wrestling. Um, I don't know. There was just, it just didn't carry on and I don't have a good answer for it. So I'll wait and see when he returns, if they can find a way to capture some magic. Arn Anderson did not work that, that no. the chemistry was not there between the two of them. And I don't know for Arn, it's going to take a spot. It's going to take an interesting individual for Arn to be the person to be their manager because like, Arn is 10 levels and one of the things about Wardlow that he's very good at is he's very good at being understated and being like domineering from the background without having to be like flashy or, or whatever he can just sort of he's good at he's good at looking tough with arms folded and there is something to that there's value to that absolutely but and I do think there's there's the elements of him that he is able to show that he can be the guy, but it just wasn't consistent. So we'll have to wait and see. Uh, we're nearing the end. Willow Nightingale. Um, I'm going to give her a push. I think the crowd loves her. I think the fans love her. I think we love her. And she's very consistent in the ring. Uh, she's not the world women's world champion, but she's very new to the company, and she has. She she was the uh, the and new Japan strong women's champion. She won the Owen Hart tournament, did she not? I believe she did. I think you're right about that. I'll have to double check that. So for me, like it's not like they don't realize what they have with her. It's just all about implementing that and, and, you know, getting her to that top spot. And again, she's still fairly new. So I don't think the fact that she hasn't been women's world champion by now um, doesn't hamper her. And uh, I, I, yeah, I, I'm going to give her a push. I think she's right where she needs to be right now. And I think that there's going to be a lot more coming. They gave those things to Ricky Starks and Willow Nightingale and then just didn't really do a lot with either of them mm-hmm. which is a shame <laughs> it's the, like ah oh god you gave willow the win over ruby and then gave her nothing which it's it's very telling willow's underrated willow is um an excellent fun personality to have in the locker room she is very very talented wrestler uh she has power for days um and yeah, just like a very believable, likable baby face. And I'll never, that is something that is never can be uh, overstated. It's important. So also Willow Nightingale is underrated. Last one we're going to do, the Young Bucks. Ooh. Um, the Young Bucks are right where they belong. Uh, they catch way too much flack. Um, people shit on the fact that, oh, well, they don't sell anything and there's just spot monkeys and blah, 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 blah. Here's the thing. Uh, when the, the young bucks were in New Japan, uh, Matt, uh, Matt Jackson was selling his lower back for like two and a half years. That was his big, like he had a bad lower back. The announcers always played it up. He always went to it in the matches. 
and he had to do those ridiculous northern light suplexes, which put a lot of pressure, I guess, on that lower back of his. And he was, you know, again, Nick Jackson is one of the most incredible workers I've ever watched in the singles aspect. His stuff with he, that he's done with Phoenix and just other matches that they've just thrown him in there and, and had, had them go, you know, wild with. Uh, he's been great. Um, they're one of my favorite tag teams. I mean, I have their book. I, you know, two, two people who revolutionized the business as much as people don't want to agree with that statement. That is the fact they were a part of it. Um, I don't agree with everything that I, I, I've, you know, seen and read with the young bucks, but I also look at them and go, these guys have not put themselves over in any way, shape or form, uh, in an I, like, if you look back on time and you look at like Triple H's two year reign on Raw, where he's world champion constantly, the exception of a few months. Uh, I look at the Young Bucks and they're two time AEW World Tag Team Champions and two time Trios Champions, and they lose a lot. They lose a lot. They put a lot of guys over, including Private Party, almost right away. Uh, in AEW's existence. So I think that they are right where they belong. I think that while the wrestling community is divided on groups like the Young Bucks, I like CM Punk, but I like the Young Bucks too. So I will never say that they are uh, overrated. The Bucks are pushed. They're, they came into this with the reputation of being the best tag team in the world. And like, delivered some of the best tag team matches we've ever seen with the Lucha Bros. One of the best, the best ladder tag match of all time. And then, oh, by the way, the best, bar none, the best cage tag match of all time. If not one of the best cage matches, period, of all time. God, that was a great match. Still, I don't know that I've had a more enjoyable watching experience in my history with AEW than Hangman Page and Omega versus the Young Bucks. The story, the match itself, everything leading around it, the post-match, was perfect wrestling from start to finish. And I think the Bucks are... Like have shown their ability to to go in there with with a bunch of different teams and compete at a, at a very very high level. The stuff that they were doing with with uh, Red Dragon, obviously FTR. For everybody who who again the classic AEW of oh this feud isn't very interesting. I wonder how good the match is going to be. Oh, the match was I think it's classic. <laughs> You know, that's, that's just the story of, of the Bucks. But the Bucks, when given the right circumstances, can um, deliver. And like, I love the stuff with that they had going with the heel Bucks and, and Brandon Cutler and his silly face mask and the, and the spray. Uh, and just like everything about they're they're very good characters. They can play faces and they can play heels. Um, they've earned their stripes as an incredible tag team and can have great tag team matches with everyone on the roster you know had that trios run with let's not forget kenny omega coming back from like serious injuries yeah who and was clearly not at full health when he came back and the bucks had to do that extra share of the work and they held up there into the bargain they had those seven matches with uh with it with um sorry what was the um death triangle death triangle 
and they were all great. That last one was incredible. The first one was also very, very good. Like, and, and like it's impressive to be able to do a set of seven matches, knowing that you're going to get seven matches, and to be able to, like, generally speaking, deliver at a high level on all of them and keep people wanting more. That is a very impressive feat. It's hard to do. Like, the Unbox are a very, very good tag team, and, you know, that's what people see them as. So, yeah, they're a pretty easy push. Rylan, that's all that we have for the AEW list. How, how are you feeling about about over under about about all of these things? I, I'm feeling like I'm feeling like we need to do something more with over under. I feel like maybe we need to bring it over to the world's funniest podcast uh, program and uh, maybe sit DK down and talk about some like classic rock bands or something like that. In fact. In fact, I think that's what we're going to do with it. We will. We will definitely be bringing this back, and yeah, we're gonna we're gonna do that on the world's funniest podcast. I'm going to join this month, so look forward to that. Uh, you'll hear that in a few weeks. So yeah, look out for that because because I'll be joining uh, Rylan and DK with that. Yeah, this is this is fun. We're gonna have to bring this back at some point. Yeah. Uh, next time we've got uh, you know some cycles or whatever it is. I think there's lots of stuff that we could definitely talk about. Uh, gimmicks wrestlers from the years past like theme songs yeah there's lots of things that we can do with this so if you do have any suggestions uh reach out to us on on twitter um let us know if you have any ideas for us for things we can do over under with i'm not sure when this show is going to be back again but it will be back again at some point so look forward to that and yeah absolutely. unless you uh, unless you have anything else no uh just i want to you know like just say Happy five years once again, Kyle. I'm sure I've said it to you a few uh, on a few shows at this point, but uh, we we've we've really done something special here. I think, and I, I think this is definitely something that one of the things in my life that I'm most proud of is, is the work that we've put in over the last five years. So it's been super fun, and I love this over under uh, program that we do here. I'm looking forward to it coming back. Listen to everything. Check out all of our, uh, you know, year, uh, year five uh, episodes. October is the fifth five-year anniversary of Wall of Media. Uh, well, of just me and Kyle sitting down and doing podcasts, I think. But uh, we're, we're, we're going we're gonna to have some great content out this month. So check that all out. Kyle, send the people home happy. Thank you so much for listening all the way to the end. We appreciate each and every one of you. And you have been all up. You have been listening to a Wallop Media podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Wallop Media. The hosts of our shows are Rylan, Kyle, and DK. You can find Rylan on Twitter at Rylan Wallop and Kyle on Twitter at Kyle Wallop. Production is by RJ Spearin. You can find his work at facebook.com slash spearkingco. Logo designs are by Maisie Mulder. You can find her work on her website, maisiemulderdesigns.com. Our podcasts are hosted by Acast. You can listen to them on the podcast catcher of your choice or on our website, shows.acast.com slash wallopmedia.